Everybody. Good evening. It is, according to one clock, seven o'clock, and 33 seconds past. According to my phone, it is 6.58, and according to my computer, it is 6.59. Why this kind of uh, chaos? I don't know. I don't know. Everything I do, all the steps I take to adjust it and to synchronize clocks... It doesn't work. So if you ever wanted to, to like uh, launch a secret mission with me that has any synchronization of clocks involved, do not expect me to be on time. I'm either going to show up early to the drop-off point or late and miss the extraction altogether. Do not count me in for your secret mission, no matter what it is. Okay, so thank you so much, ladies and gents. It's good to have you on on this cold, windy night this January 18th, 2024, and returning to the show this evening is Reverend Bill Bean. I've got his URL in the description of this episode, um, or at least it will be by the time uh, this all gets out there on the archive. I'll, this will also be one of those late night weekend re-premieres on YouTube, along with last night's episode with Matt uh, from Cultivate Elevate. Uh, we, I have so much to, re, uh, to premiere on YouTube this weekend. It's going to be pretty great. It's going to be a very, very, very active channel. And that's all because we have a new video director with several interns, uh, college interns that are on with us, and that is, uh, that is starting to really hit its stride. Again, thank you so much for everybody out there who's becoming sponsors. Um, there's so much more I want to do that we got to do. And uh, the biggest thing I can't wait to do is be able to continue to expand the show and the programming. So... Uh, I appreciate you all. And yes, tonight, Reverend Bill Bean, who made an in-studio appearance on Quite Frankly last summer. It was a very, it was a night full of synchronicity. It was the night that, uh, you know, he showed up with his, with his, uh, his local security, which ended up being my cousin. That was really, it was really incredible out of all the people, because, you know, Bill's from Maryland. So there's, I, it's one in millions one in millions that could have happened. But he's back tonight, and we're going to be talking about everything that has happened since that night, uh, the Exorcist Conference in Connecticut that he uh, was a part of not even a day or so later, the new book that just came out that I had the ability to read over the last couple of days, and many of the day-to-day -day revelations of our apocalyptic timeline. That is all on the table tonight. He writes a little bit about his theories of UFOs and what aliens may or may not be. So I don't know where it all goes tonight, but I know it's going to be fun. And I just want to thank all my wonderful sponsors on, quite frankly, his affiliates page, starting with BlueMonsterPrep.com. Thank you guys and gals so much. Also, for those of you whales out there, um, just to let you know, we haven't put anything together uh, formally, but I think we know what we're going to be doing. 
going to be looking for business sponsors for Studio A and B. That is, if you want to be broadcast every night, broadcasting live from the so-and-so broadcast studio, get in touch with me. Business inquiries, quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. Figure that would be another really uh, good way to get to the finish line a little bit quicker because, of course, the biggest thing is we need the audience to get involved. But uh, that's what I have for you tonight. Thank you, Blue Monster Prep and all of our friends. Norbin Laden is going to be on with us tomorrow night to do a big roundup of all the week's happenings at Davos, and there is a lot. There is a lot of media to look at. There's a lot of things to review. And because we have her coming on tomorrow, I'm not going to be doing too much of that tonight. Though there is something I want to play in the second half this evening, even though we did play and we did play that one clip from the two ninnies that were complaining about how toxic X is. So there is one thing that is related to tonight's conversations that I want to play in the second half, a second half that I hope that many and many of you come and click over, be a wonderful, um, wonderful time tonight. If I can keep uh, many of you with us for the full ride, especially if we have time for you to call in, which it's possible, but it is also possible that, much of the time gets filled in like last night. That was really something else. I'm happy we got a, a small amount of calls in last night because I was pretty sure for a time there that Matt and I were going to fill up the whole the whole two hours. That being said, next week is going to be a wonderful week of guests and, and programming, but I did do something today that I thought was uh, was worthy of talking to you guys about a little bit, and that was I went to a mall. Now, it is my little baby cousin, my little baby, you know, you know, how you have cousins that are so young, you know, you're you're separated by over 30 years in age that you're just like, I'm your uncle. OK, let's just I'm your uncle. You're my niece or you're my nephew. It just feels more appropriate to be an a uh, uncle relationship. Anyway, I have a little baby cousin, Charlie, who turned uh, four. When she was born, Lauren and I went to the to the. Uh, to the hospital to go and and see my cousin Amanda who's been like a, a sister to me more than a cousin you want to talk about that um she is one of those that you, she went to uh to, to gave birth in January of 2020 and as we were there little did me and Lauren know but as we were there holding little Charlie newborn Charlie uh Aurora was brewing and cooking inside of uh Lauren we didn't know we did not know, but now here we are four years later, and we got to go and um, hang out at the, uh, the the mall. We went to a mall in, in uh, Connecticut. First time I had been to a mall, I don't even know when. I don't even know the last time I've been to a mall, but here's what I will tell you. I got some pictures for you, and we're going to do it right after this. Don't go anywhere. Help me share the link out far and wide, and we'll have a great time with Bill Bean after this. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! 
Okay. So take a look at this. Where we have it. Uh, here, here's the first one. From the mall. That's not what I wanted. That is. All right. So I understand. Let me just put it, put it out there. I understand it is a random Thursday in January at around 1030 a.m. But the whole mall was ours. And we went to this play place uh, for Aurora and Charlie and, and their little, uh, the, their younger cousin to go run around a little bit. And there was just nothing in there. I didn't see one Cinnabon. I didn't see one Annie's pretzels. But, you know, occupancy wasn't that bad. But when I tell you that malls, I don't know where how it's like by you. I was in a liminal space. We were talking about liminal spaces last year at some point. I was in a liminal space, man. It's like some of those YouTube videos where you can go to the YouTube videos and hear, uh, you know, mall playlists and just empty malls. And it kind of creates a, a weird sense of nostalgia, but also an eeriness that there's nobody there. It's exactly, I was in the middle of it. Here's a little bit of me, uh, you know, just panning around a little bit. Over, they still had the Santa castle up. I guess that's where they had Santa taking pictures with everybody. Still the uh, the, the peppermint swirl kind of uh, decor. And it was nice. It was nice to be with the family, but boy, was it strange. Occupancy wasn't that bad. There was a lot of open spots there, but what I noticed was that it was uh, very much like there, there's been a, con a conversion over to people selling experiences. So there was a lot more activity zones over there. Uh, there was an old school arcade kind of a thing. There was these kid play places. There was other kind of things where you go there to have a mixed experience of either video games and lounging and eating and all that stuff, which I think is pretty, pretty smart because everything else in there, unless you really just like going and holding something that you want to buy in your hands and examining it instead of you can get everything on Amazon, you know. It's so much better to go to a place, but it's, uh, I mean, once you have been bit by the bug of convenience, it's just a matter of time before this kind of thing happens. And online shopping has really taken it out of this, um, uh, out of, it, it's almost like the ruins of the Roman empire. You know, there was nothing bigger than the mall years ago. And, um, but that's, uh, that, that's, <laughs> those are the, some of the things that were going through my head today. As I was walking through the mall. Do you have anything like that? Do you have anything like that by you? Have you seen all of your malls go away? Uh, maybe we should have memories from the mall. A memories from the mall show. Mine aren't going to be as awesome as maybe some of you 80s kids. People who were like born in the 70s and really living it up in the, in, in the 80s. And, and that, that's just what you had to do. We still had arcades. I was still going to the mall to like, uh, what was it? What was it called? Coast to Coast? Is that the skateboarding store? There's a store you go to to buy all of our skateboards and the sex wax and uh, and the the grip tape and all of our bearings and shit. There was a lot of that going on, but uh, and of course after school, that was a lot of fun. But this was eerie. It really was, and I hope that it's just that it was a Thursday morning in January because who knows. Who knows how much you, how much more you can keep that up. Anyway, um, Bill Bean is going to be on with us in just a moment. And I've got his book that I was reading uh, today. He sent it over to me. I, I got to I got to read it on my on my um, 
iPad. It's called My Life, Transformation from Victim to Victor. And in this book, it goes through all of the, the, the details of his past and how he went from, we're talking about generational curse here. And I want to talk to him about that because I've, I've come up with, um, I've come across a lot of things like that in my reading about generational curses and, and hauntings and possession and all of that. So it'll be good to really go through this chronologically. And then there's, there's bigger questions. If you have anything that you want to ask Bill uh, as a follow-up to what we had spoken about over the summer when he was in the studio, please, I'll be checking the Super Chats. I'll be checking, quite frankly, superchat.com. Um, I will not have a really good view of the Gilded until after Bill is off the uh, show. So you're going to have to go over to, quite frankly, superchat.com as he's entering into the uh, the Zoom lobby right now. But um, please, I would love to get you guys in on this in real time. So I will continue to be looking for you over the course of the of the broadcast. And I think you can hear uh, Bill. Can you hear me right now? Yes. Uh, uh, hi, Frank. How are you? It's great to have you on, my man. And uh, it's been a long time, but it feels like it was just yesterday. Sure does. And thank you for having me uh, back on. It was great being on with you the first time and very much looking forward to being on with you this time. You know, I I've talked a lot about that time that you were on, um, not only because you were the first person that I could sit down with and have a first-hand account conversation about possession and exorcism. I still have not been able to talk to anybody in your line of work since from any denomination or anything like that. So it was uh, it was groundbreaking for me because I finally got to ask these questions to somebody who's been, uh, you know, on the battlefield, as they say. Um, yeah. But the other thing there, too, is that you're... I, I've told the story of your arrival at the studio so many times, especially to people in my family, because the synchronicity of you showing up with my cousin as your locally assigned bodyguard <laughs> is just, I, I mean, I think everybody's mind was blown with that. So there was just so much swirling around your, your visit. It was so much more than just the subject matter. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I, uh, your cousin, Mike is like a brother to me. I love him dearly. And, uh, and he was great. You know, he's just doing what he does. Number one, he's my friend and brother. And secondly, he was there to provide security and uh, did a great job at the event. And it was just, uh, it was stunning. It really was because uh, neither you or I, we had no idea until the last second that, uh, you know, in our in our phone conversation that he walks into your studio and, and that's your cousin. Yeah, I, ha I had to ask. And, uh, and when, when the pieces coming together was the, the most fun part because I knew that there was going to be something astonishing going on. But you you brought up the you brought up that um, the conference, the, the the summit in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty important conference of, of exorcists of people in your line of work. I remember you giving us the the background and the the, the bill who was going to be there um, and, and the subject matter. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that went on, like firsthand account, the guest list, the most astounding testimonies, everything of that. Was, where was that, Danbury? Uh, it was in. Uh, it was right next to Danbury. I'm trying to think of the name of the town now, but it was right. Yeah, it was right near. I think like next town over from East East. Uh, what was that called? Southbury. Southbury. That was it. Okay. Right. Southbury. Right. Right near Danbury. But uh, what an event, you know, it was packed house. Uh, there wasn't an empty seat in the room. And um, 
this was another weird thing that took place. Now, everybody, let's see, one, two, three, four. There were four other gentlemen besides myself on that panel, and one was with me in your studio uh, the last time I was on your show, Jason McLeod. Yeah. And um, I wanted to make sure that everybody had their say. So, and Jason was the same way. Wanted, wanted to make sure that all the panelists, I certainly didn't want to step on anybody. I wanted them to speak and let them talk. And I did. And uh, so then I came up last and it was an amazing thing for several reasons. Um, people approached me after the event. I was the last one to speak at the event ended after I spoke. Several people approached me and said, some said that they felt like they were delivered from something, that they felt attachments, and others came up and said that they actually saw entities in the room and departing the room as I was speaking. And another strange thing, Frank, was that Yes, I was speaking, sharing my testimony, my story, just like we're speaking now. But then um, I started to pray over, over everybody. I felt like God was leading me because I did feel like there were some people in there that had uh, demonic attachments and strongholds and under demonic in influence. And so I started to pray over everybody, the entire audience. Uh, you know, I stood up, I was praying over everybody, binding and rebuking and casting out demons that might be in, on, or around anyone there, the room, the, you know, the property, any, and, and people said that when I was doing that and invoking the power of God over evil, that some actually saw these black shadows darting and departing the room as this was happening. So it was uh, astounding but not uncommon for me, because again, it's not that I'm anything special, but this is how God works through me to bind and rebuke and cast out and evict evil from people, places, and things. And I was very much led to do that. And I had, uh, after it was over, I had a line of people come up to my table, people that wanted me to sign a book or take a picture or to tell me that, you know, they saw these things depart. Um, others came up and said that they felt that they were uh, that something was taken from them, that they felt like they were under uh, a demonic influence or a stronghold or an attack, and they literally felt that being taken from them by the power of God. So it was amazing, uh, Frank. It really was. Is it something for you where if you're, I mean, can you feel something or see something on the, the attached to somebody without, without having to really concentrate is it at this point where if you were walking down a city street and you're brushing so shoulders with people um things will just register for you and you'll know exactly what's going on with a person at this point or, or is it a little bit more you need need more time to examine a case no it's automatic it's it's absolutely automatic uh and it's amazing because people are drawn to me like a magnet and especially people that are you know in spiritual dire straits uh, Frank, I've been in grocery stores. People have approached me. I have been um, in airports. People have approached me on a plane several times where people approach me. And, and here I am 30, 
35,000 feet in the air, praying over someone on the plane. Um, I have been uh, one plane ride in particular. It was uh, the last 40 minutes of that trip. I think it was uh, Houston, Texas to Baltimore. I was coming home from Houston, I think. And the last 40 minutes, we encountered severe turbulence to the point that the overheads were opening up and things were coming out. People were screaming, people were crying. Mm. And I actually had to stand up out of my seat and gather these people together to calm them. And we prayed. And I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And I really thought myself, maybe this is it because this is not looking good here. But uh, by the power of God working through me, I had the ability to take control of the situation and calm those people down through the power of God and through the power of prayer. So you name it. I mean, I've been in the crazy, rent-a-car places. Uh, it, you just wouldn't believe it, Frank, how people, um, it's uh, they approach me. Now, some have seen me on TV or whatever, and then they want to come up and up, but others don't know who I am but yet are drawn to me. And all of a sudden they're telling me all their problems. They've got all these demonic problems, uh, could be illnesses, whatever it may be. And there I am praying over them. Uh, it's just amazing how God works. And again, I claim to be nothing. I'm a human being. I'm a flesh and blood man, but I can tell you this, um, God has worked through me to do extraordinary things for thousands of people that I can assure you of. And when you were at the studio, was there any, uh, there was any uh, ghoulish things uh, floating around me or the equipment? I always have equipment problems over there. And I, I sometimes I feel it, it's, it's gotta be spirits. Cause I have no technical reason for all my, uh, all, all the stuff going on over there. Did you did you have any any uh, heebie-jeebies when you walked into the studio? Well, Please say no. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I did feel, even coming down the street, approaching your studio, um, I could feel something. And and then when we got inside of there, and I wasn't going to say, you and I are just meeting. I didn't want you to think I was some kind of crazy man or whatever. You know, people approach me. I never go to them and say, oh, you have this or that. I don't do that. They come to me and say, you know, and then, of course, I could give them confirmation by saying, yeah, I feel that. But I don't push myself on anybody to say you've got this, 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 this. But I did feel something there. Yes, I absolutely did. Um, I actually wanted to, before leaving, I wanted to pray over you and the uh, studio and even the building. Um, I absolutely wanted to do that. But again, you know, we talked about some pretty far out things on the program, and I didn't want you to think that it was some kind of crazy man trying well, to impose my will on you or whatever. No, I I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, but uh, that does that makes it very uh, it's very interesting there. I, I figured I'd ask. I didn't want to ask to be honest, but um, now that I did, we'll have to take care of that sometime. We will take care of it absolutely by the power of God working through me. We are going to bind, rebuke, cast out, and evict any type of uh, evil demonic forces that may be present in there. We bind and rebuke it all and cast it out and off and away and command it to depart and go back to the pits of hell where it belongs. It's very simple. I mean, it's automatic for me now, Frank. I mean, this is what I do every day. I'm almost like a 24-7 operation. I get to bed at 6.30 a.m., sometimes 7 a.m. That's when I get to bed. Um, I help people from all over the world. I've helped people in 55 other countries as well and counting. 
And uh, I could be up at five in the morning, six in the morning, doing a session with somebody in India or Australia or New Zealand, Brazil, wherever it may be. It's uh, so this uh, is a worldwide thing. And I just can't thank God and praise God enough, A, for saving me and B, transforming my life. And then C, putting this calling on my life to help other people. Well, we got to talk about that, um, but for, I, but every time you you say something, I have another follow up question, and sure. I, I have so many questions about your book that I want to get to. But you know, when you talk about these long, long nights, long, long years, jam packed full of you know being of service to people and and keeping your your time open for people who are who are in need and want uh, and want you to to counsel them, um, wh- where would you say since you are an international figure for for many wh- what where do you get the most calls wh- whether they be american states let's consider them countries whether they be american states or you know sri lanka or whatever where are you getting the most calls that you say that you're drawn to the most new york uh it's absolutely amazing i have more clients in new york and not just in new york city but upstate all over the state of new york uh you know from the East side, Whitehall area towards Vermont, all the way over near Buffalo. Uh, it's just, un- and every point in between. Um, I've been to every part of New York and I've helped people from every part of New York and continue to do so. You know, I, that was, that's something crazy there too. I've, um, I had a couple of questions based on these conversations that I, I have uh, listened to many times between Art Bell and, and Father Malachi Martin. Um, in, in the 1990s on on AM radio and and I think it was either in the first conversation between the two of them or the second so we're talking about 1996 1997 back then Malachi Martin of course was a was a resident of Manhattan he made the claim that he feels especially in in uh, in New York cases of possession were up 700 percent or 800 percent doesn't matter. There's still astronomical numbers. And this is yeah. back in the mid-90s. I can't imagine that we have turned a corner and have gotten any better since then. Um, no. what, what do you th- do you think that do you think that, that kind of uh that kind of trend is is still going strong? Yeah, it's happening everywhere, Frank, especially in New York. Um I'm always busy, but I could tell you already in this brand new year if you looked at my calendar you wouldn't believe it they're all all the days are filled they're filled i I, so there are people that could continue not just from new york but from everywhere you know to contact me for help i'll be going back to new york very soon and what i do uh if i don't go to the person in person then i have skype or phone sessions with the person to perform the spiritual deliverance over them remotely. So one way or the other, by the power of God working through me, these people are going to be free from evil. And then I have to become um, a life coach in a sense to where we have to put a game plan together for that person in moving forward to make sure that they're keeping all the doorways closed that would invite evil in. And then we have to uh, get them. And this is the most difficult part. The most difficult part is to get the person out of the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living into what I call warrior mode, which is faith, strength, and courage. So they have got to uh, eliminate the fear, 
and embrace faith. And that is easier said than done, even in my own case. Uh, it was two steps forward, three steps backward until I got there. So that is the most difficult part of the entire process. Mm, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine. Um, uh, but you're right. It's up everywhere. So already in this new year, I'm inundated with people from all over the place, especially New York, um, having these demonic problems. And it's just absolutely astounding. So I, I see the uptick. Uh, and I would say probably for the last three years or so, there has been an increase in each and every year, and and this year is starting off the charts. Um, what would you say to somebody? Because when you talk about faith, I feel like the people who really are who really beam beam with faith faith, they have been given a a sense of perspective of the way things are, of the other side, of what's at stake. Uh, many people. I'm, I'm sure that there are just people who were who were raised and they they have been able to philosophize and 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 be there, um, be present with their faith and grow and mature in that faith um, without there being some kind of a trauma. But I feel like it's hardest for people who haven't really had a, for me at least, I haven't had a very traumatic life. I've had problems as anybody else, but you know, compared to people's problems. A, you know, near-death experiences, any kind of abuse, a, a possession, whatever the hell it is, um, there was nothing, it's always been one of those things where I, I find it, um, I want to, I, and sometimes I do feel that gushing of joy and confidence in faith and love, and I, because it, it's it's been a slow journey for me coming back to faith after, you know, high school and college and just my, I have no time for that kind of stuff mentality but um do you find that people who you know who really just don't have uh a, a lot of perspective based on trauma or some other kind of big event in their life have a hard time really actualizing their faith and, and becoming more you know connected to it in a vibrant way reading your story i can see why you being in the position right now your your faith would be unshakable what you yeah. experienced what you came back from i understand your position you are immovable in your faith um you know but you, th there are days where i i i feel like a, a leaf blown in the wind still because i and i feel maybe well is it because i i haven't had a traumatic enough experience to you know i didn't peek over the edge of hell you know do, does everybody need that in some way or is there a way for people you know to 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 find their way to that constant well bubbling well of joy and and faith without there needing to be something so drastic happen to you may nothing of the sort ever happen to you i don't want any trauma to ever take place in your life i don't want you to have to peek over the edge of hell for anything um yes you're exactly right i am where god has put me i am where he has called me to be I believe that before I came into this world, God assigned this, um, this mission to me. And I firmly believe that it couldn't be where I'm at right now had I not been there to suffer. So it was necessary for me to have had those sufferings and that amount of trauma. I mean, I was physically attacked by demonic forces between ages 5 and 12. That's a lot of trauma. And then I saw a lot of other trauma in the house as well, domestic violence, things of that nature. So I had to experience a plethora 
of different types of traumas in order for God to have me where I'm at right now, because I could be the most brilliant man in the world, Frank, but if I've never had the experience, I have no way to relate to these people that are suffering. But having suffered all these things, people can relate to me and they could trust me because they know that I have been there. And so God knows what he's doing. And this is why he chose me. Now, for someone like you, my best advice would be to listen to people like me. And I pray that God would put it on your spirit to say, this man's real and authentic. This man is not just a spiritual warrior, but I am a teacher and a watchman as well. And I strive for excellence in each and every day of my life. Why? Because I'm committed to God. And if I'm committed to Yahweh, that's his name, listed 6,823 times in the Bible, replaced with the title of Lord. Um, if I'm committed to him, I'm committed to excellence. And if I'm committed to excellence, then I refuse to lose. I refuse to lose. I refuse to be a victim to anyone or anything ever again. And I can say that by the power of God working through me. So I declare victory in each and every day of my life and will do so for the rest of my life. So I pray that you can look at somebody like me and say, okay, there has to be something, you know, even the most hardened skeptic would have to say there is something driving this guy. This guy believes what he's saying. There is something there. I've had people come up to me. Uh, as a matter of fact, Frank, I'm going to share this with you and your audience as well. And it really, I was taken aback by it, but it, but it wasn't the first person to say this to me. I was recently on Coast to Coast Radio with George Norrie. Uh, you know, I'm on his show regularly. And we were talking about my new book. And George shared something with me that he never has. And I've known him since, oh, I don't know, probably maybe the late 90s early 2000s, somewhere in there, um, he shared something with me that I never knew. And I was on George's TV show, uh, I think it was back in 2015. He's got a TV show called Beyond Belief. And I was flown to uh, Denver and then had to go. I was taking the Boulder where their studios are. And, you know, I met George. Uh, we shook hands. He gave me a hug. Great guy. We've been good friends ever since. Um, but he said on the broadcast a few nights ago, he said, Bill, I have never told you this before, but when we met and when I shook your hand, I felt this bolt of power come into me. He says, I have never, ever felt that with another human being in my life. Now, I was taken aback because George Norrie has interviewed thousands and thousands of people over the years, and he's met you know quite a few people. And that's the power of God. And George is not the only person to say that to me, Frank. There have been many other people that have said the same thing. And that is the power of God. It's not my power. It is the power of God working through me. So again, even for the most hardened skeptic, um, if a person were that way, they'd have to say, well, wait a minute now. Let me, let me try and consider this. And, and why is he saying these things? Why does he uh, go about his life in the way that he, that he does? Why is he in such strong faith as he says all the time? And look, I've given probably over 2,500 
media interviews in my career, you can go back and listen to interview after interview, and you would hear me say the same things about my faith. Uh, you know, I'm always thanking and praising God for everything because it's true. I would be either dead or in prison right now if it wasn't for the power of God, if it wasn't for his love and his mercy and his favor and his empowerment as well, and then the calling that he's put on my life. So that would be my best advice to you is to listen to somebody like me and say, okay, I, I there's got to be something to this, and um, I'm going to make God first too, and I'm going to apply this to my life. So I have um, 10 steps, 10 steps to victory to live by, seven declarations, and I say to people, if you've never picked the Bible up in your life, if you've not read one verse, I would challenge you to go to Deuteronomy 28, and read that because that's all you need to know. If you decide to make God first in your life and you hearken on to his voice, then you will be blessed in all of your ways. Now, that's absolutely the God's honest truth because I lived a life that was so horrible for so long that I was seeking death. I lived on the edge. I've been in many life-threatening situations throughout my lifetime. Well, and well, God saved me every time. Let, let's let's talk a little bit about that here, because yeah. it, obviously, very big statements you're making. You're right. Um, I also I also wonder if we're getting the audio directly from your microphone, or or if it is the 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 webcam audio. I don't I don't know. Is uh, it breaking up? No, no. It just it sounds too of the room um, uh -oh. to be. But maybe we can do that over the break or something. For now, yeah. I can yeah, hear yeah. you all right. Um, Let's let's talk about a little bit more to start off the book. For example, you bring up you're just talking about Deuteronomy. You bring yeah. up the book of Enoch in the yeah. in in your book and um and what you think about it overall. But he, he, here's one thing. Enoch, I know the book of Enoch, though I'm not a huge scholar there, but we've talked about it a lot and I've had people who know more than me talk about it. What do you think about um the reading of unpublished books? of the Bible. What are the advantages and the pitfalls of studying the so-called lost books of the Bible? Uh, most importantly, the book of Enoch. Well, a lot of Christian uh, pastors would, would say, oh, that's a hellish book. That's an evil book. I don't think so. Knowledge is power, and power perceived is power achieved. That's number one. And secondly, how could you say that you know the book is trash or if it's, it's of no value, it's evil, Enoch was one of the most favored men by Yahweh. He came down and walked with him. He was Enoch was taken to the seven levels of heaven. He saw everything. This is uh, one of the, if not the most favored, he's one of the most favored human beings of all time. And, and you're trashing him and saying the book is no good and it's evil. And, oh, I'm sorry. I don't buy that, Frank. Uh, you know, again, um, the Bible is a collection of writings, okay? In the King James Bible, there are 66 books. You have uh, Catholic versions of the Bible that have more or less books, uh, Ethiopian versions, you know, so you could have as many as 83 or 86 books in one Bible, 66 in another, 50-some uh, in another. It just depends on what version that you have. But the King James, for example, is 66 books out of 600. There were 534 of those writings left out, and the Book of Enoch was one of them. And so I personally um, 
think that knowledge is power. So, and all for me, this is how I go about it. I pray first and ask God to lead me to wisdom and knowledge and to give me discernment to know what is true and what is not true. Okay. Uh, well, you know, with that, I also wanted to just go into now from, uh, to, cause you spent a lot of time after that talking about your family and your, your backstory. But what I really feel is a, uh, the biggest story about your, your family is that it seems that there's some kind of a generational curse there. Um, I mean, the, the, the way that your, your grandfather was essentially murdered, uh, in the water, um, there, there was just so, there's so much about your, you lived in a haunted house. Um, the, uh, that one story about the, the medium who came to your house to, to try to, uh, mediate what was going on with the entities in there and then recommended the use of a Ouija board and actually riled up all the spirits, um, instead of actually making it and then saying, Hey, sorry, I can't stay. It's too dark in here. So making things worse and then leaving all that stuff is just, it's incredible for it to have affected at least three generations that you were talking about starting and ending, I mean, and ending with you. Um, yeah. Where did, uh, I don't know if I had missed it, but where did you ever pinpoint the source of that, of that possession of that, um, that, uh, I, I don't know, uh, what, what do they call it? An obsession? Uh, what, well, it would be a demonic stronghold, family bloodline curse. And where did it start? Um, though? It, it started, I was told, by reliable family member source that uh, it started back over a hundred years ago when two family members came together and conjured those evil spirits up through ritual invitation invocation and they came through. So when you're inviting the devil in, he's gonna send demons in there because he has a legal right to do so. And so it came upon the family and both sides of the family. And boy, I'll tell you, uh, Frank, it created so much damage on both sides, so many untimely deaths, so many tragedies, uh, so much bloodletting. Just uh, you, you, unless you were there to see it, and even if you were there to see some of it, you'd be rubbing your eyes saying, am I really seeing this? Is this really happening? But um, an evil was unleashed that was so powerful um, and devastating see- that it destroyed my family. And it's crazy to me to think about that because, you know, I had mentioned the uh, the Malachi Martin uh, interviews there. And I remember one of those interviews, um, he was discussing on Coast to Coast with uh, about a, he was being told about a previous caller on a previous night on Coast to Coast, uh, a caller who came on and she was a devil worshiper and she pretty much was gloating about having how she had taken measures to ensure that her child her child that was younger than three years old she had taken measures to ensure that that child would join her in hell after she died Mm. and Mm. you know art had 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 asked malachi martin said is is this even possible and and father martin said yes it was and now they didn't go in i don't they didn't go into any uh detail as to you know what a a, a uh, such a possessed parent could do to condemn a child that has not even reached the age of reason to damnation like that. And now I can understand inflicting trauma, but I, I started feeling like it doesn't evil need to be a conscious thing. But when I read your book and I see generational curses, these things that stick around with family 
with families, uh, it, it doesn't seem to skip over anybody, no matter how old or how young. And how rich or how poor. Um, I have to tell you that uh, the devil deals in legal rights. So he's still subservient to Yahweh. And all you have to do is read the book of Job to come to that conclusion because he checks in with him there. And Yahweh says to him, where have you been? He says, I've been roaming up and down the earth to and fro uh, in the dry places. And so he's reported in. And and still does to this day. There's a lot more to the story. We touched on it a little bit last time I was on your program. But um, so it is through these legal rights that the devil is granted permission. And so this happens a lot. And, and I wouldn't say that this happens in every one of my cases, but in a good portion of the cases, some type of child molestation or rape or some type of violent traumatic thing has taken place. When that high level of trauma is established, obviously those demonic forces are on the perpetrator or perpetrators to carry out such wicked and heinous acts and crimes. But then when that high level of trauma is reached and established, some of those demonic entities will go under the victim because blood and secretions have come out through the adrenal pineal glands demons are attracted to it like candy it's actually a drug and it is a drug called adrenochrome whether people want to believe that or not it is real and and there are those out there and they know who they are and more importantly god knows who they are that are consuming it it's the most addictive drug on planet earth that we know of most expensive as well and demons are drawn to it and some humans are drawn to it as well and so the demonic entities will stay on the victim until someone like me comes along by the power of God working through me to evict them. And it's the same thing with these generational curses. They have to be broken. So if they continue on and on and on and nobody's taking action to break them, then they will continue because mm -hmm. it's a legal right. So all these things have to be broken, Frank, by the power of God. You know, you, you brought up their drug like uh, adrenochrome. Yeah. Uh, but there are other conditions now here too that I, I often wonder about in the streets and what you see and going on in, in society. The conditions in some streets of American cities of, uh, is getting worse, like with these zombie drugs, oh. uh, unchecked mental illness, trauma, of course, you know, broken homes. It just creates a lot of, a lot of bad behavior and uh, cycles, of course, of abuse that is very hard to break, uh, especially with no good mentoring or anything like that. But it leads to a lot of random and sometimes not so random acts of violence. And it just seems to be sometimes evil for evil's sake. But still, in a setting that has so much uh, variety of severe cases playing out all at once, how does someone like you know which cases are purely a spiritual malady? Or, you know, for example, like, like what is something that will always stand out among drug addicts and schizophrenics or anything like that you know some some drugs will grant you superhuman strength to a person for instance but yeah it, it, if they, I, and i've experienced it but a drug can't make you levitate they can't make you speak a fluent uh, make you speak fluent latin if you've never ha taken a a foreign language class in your life you know what are some of the things that will say that will make you say no matter what's going on with this person chemically or otherwise there is a spiritual element to this that that is unmistakable 
And there's always a spiritual element to it, Frank, and I'll tell you why, because all life operates on frequency and vibration. So, uh, and that is, that principle is based on when Yahweh spoke the world into existence. He did so by the frequency and vibration of his voice. So therefore all life operates on that principle. If we are on high frequency, high vibration, life is good, life is positive, we are moving forward. But if we're on low, life is horrible. It's like the person has the black cloud over their head, nothing ever goes right, there's always a problem, a situation, a drama, you know, a, a, a trauma, never an answer. And so when people, and a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people turn to drugs and alcohol, because they have experienced some type of trauma in their life and they're not getting it spiritually dealt with. So therefore they're escaping reality by being under the influence. So a person that is under the influence of alcohol, the, the word alcohol goes back to Egypt, alcohol, alcohol, that means flesh eating spirit, that's alcohol. Now look, there's nothing wrong if a person wants to go uh, have a dinner and have a couple of drinks, so they come home from work and they want to have a couple of beers, there's nothing wrong with that. But what, what goes sideways is when the, when the person becomes inebriated, when they become intoxicated, now you've crossed the line and there's a legal right for those demons to come in and create a variety of damage. How many times have you heard a person, oh, I did that, I said that, no, I couldn't have done or said that, but they did some crazy stuff and they don't remember anything because those demonic forces took over while the person was being poisoned by the spirit of alcohol and created damages. Same thing with a person that's abusing drugs. That is the spirit of pharmakia, which means sorcery. The devil knows this. He sends demons in when the freak. So, so his agenda, of course, is to keep the frequency and vibration lowered. This is why in America, we have what we have now, and we are where we are as a society. You touched on the cities. Now, when I first started, you know, this journey as a spiritual warrior, I've, I've been to every city in America many times over. And my first time around, you know, a lot of the cities were nice and very thought, wow, what a beautiful place. And, all, and then I come back and it was like, all of a sudden, this urban decay had uh, what was once a beautiful city is now a garbage pit, and and this is all by design. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, and that's a it's a good point right there, and just in just uh you know fine focusing in on this is all happening to us within one lifetime. Yeah, you know, it's I'm I'm even old enough to 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 now be able to see a striking difference from 20 years ago to what's going on now, just with the the. Just the the general accepted culture, um, the, everything. It's really really crazy the acceleration that has uh, we've witnessed. So what fuels all of this is the media. Okay, so entertainment industry, the media, even sports. Now it's all corrupted. And I was once an athlete. I was a great athlete, and I love sports. And I loved uh, watching professional sports. You know, baseball, football, whatever it may be. I don't watch any of it anymore. It's all corrupted. I'm sorry to say it. And it's all designed to lower the frequency and vibration. Uh, all you have to do, and I do these shows once in a while, my little warrior mode show, just pick out the, the top artist of today, um, read their lyrics, and you'll get your answers. This is all designed to keep people on low. If you can keep the, uh, uh, the frequency and vibration on low, 
you can have that measure of control over the people and you can absolutely keep them enslaved. And that's what we're seeing. When you have people that are called influencers, you know, Frank, if we had a room full of people right now, we said, okay, um, you know, tell us, uh, tell us any historical, if we asked a historical question, tell us who the first president was, tell us, oh, these people, they can't tell you that. But if I said to the same group of people, tell me about the Kardashians, they could tell me everything. They could tell me everything. And this is what our society is reduced to now, is that it is a, a spirit. It's the spirit of rebellion, the spirit of selfishness that has come on to society, especially in America. And, and so this has the devil's fingerprints all over it. And this is why we where we are where we are as a society. And this is why so many people are suffering spiritually. You, you have a uh, you've included in this book a lot of a lot of uh, cases, maybe some yeah. some of the more banner cases in there. And as I'm going through this, I started thinking back to and this is the you know we have ten minutes before we go on intermission here. So this uh, the, the question I'm going to leave you with before we go on break. Um, you, you had this conference in, in, uh, Connecticut after we had our first meeting in New York last year, and you mentioned that you had a few Catholic priests that were there with you, um, or, or, or that you've had a few yeah. Catholic priests that come in and out of your life over the course of a lifetime. I know that there was a, somebody of a higher rank in the Catholic church at your exorcism conference in Connecticut. I don't know if he was a bishop or something. I forgot. Archbishop. What you, yeah, Archbishop. Archbishop Ben Wright. Yeah. Okay. So. My question is, what have you learned from exorcists who operate within different traditional rites, uh, like Catholicism, other denominations, whatever? Um, how often have you discussed with other exorcists that are maybe a little, bit, you know, a little bit more denominational than you, or 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 coming from one order or another? But you're all on the same page. You know who the enemy is, and that is that's what you are. You are designed and um, and you vow to to work against. How often do you guys discuss your methods, your successes, your failures? Is, is there anything you've ever learned from anybody else's methodologies or 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 anything? You you war stories with other exorcists. I'd like to hear you guys talk to each other. Well, we had some great conversations, but I got to be honest with you, Frank, and I have the utmost respect for those men. I love them. Uh, but I don't, I haven't learned anything from any man. Uh, it, it is God that called me to do this work. It is he that continues to work through me in how I go about it. So I don't seek advice from anybody else. I am secure in who I am and what I do and how God guides me to do it. Uh, we did have uh, some amazing conversations and another amazing thing happened there. Uh, Archbishop Enright, uh, Bishop Long, um, uh, Bishop Cloud, uh, they all deferred to me uh, to lead them in prayer and to um, sort of be centered around it. It was amazing. I just absolutely mind-boggling. These are great men with a, just a ton of experience and, and many years of experience, and they have all these degrees and doctorates and this and that. I mean, it's just... Uh, they're very impressive individuals, but somehow, uh, again, by the power of God, I was the one that ended up, you know, ended up being like 
the director or whatever you want to say. And I wasn't trying to direct anybody, but they were deferring to me in prayer. We were having prayer. Uh, we were in prayer circles for the other, you know, archbishops and bishops and the, the, that felt like they were under attack, you know, during this thing. And I was leading the deliverances and the prayers and all of that. So it's just absolutely amazing. It is all the power of God. It is not me. You would never, ever hear me say that I'm any special, anything special. It is the power of God working through me. And I thank him and praise him for it. Uh, here's one last question before we go on break. And that is about a little bit more of the methods of, of, you know, meeting these entities on, on the spiritual battlefield um, I, from whether it be movies, interviews, books that I've read, there is something that is always popping up and that is the necessity of having the demon identify itself in the middle of this to know, to, to have the, the, the demon say its name. Is that something that you have found to be uh, pivotal in some way? And if not, why do you think that it is so important for others who have had success in, um, in meeting these demonic entities during a, the rite of exorcism? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why, because the devil is the original liar. Okay. So if he's the liar, then his uh, demons under him, they're liars too. So if you ask a name, what do you think you're going to get the real name from this entity? They're not going to be compelled to reveal their name unless they want to. And I've had that. I, I've had uh, in some where they did reveal a name, but it is not essential because you are taking power and authority over those things, whether you know the name or not. Uh, it is by the power of God and Yahshua, Jesus to Christ's name, that you are taking power and authority over them and binding and rebuking and casting them out. So whether they reveal a name or not, it really doesn't matter, Frank. Okay. All right. Well, well uh, Bill, you'll, you'll stay over with us into the other side of the intermission? Oh, absolutely. Sure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have more with uh, Reverend Bill Bean. We, I have questions about his thoughts and his writings over here on UFOs and abductions, which is all mm. in the book. We do a lot of this is in the book. The book is called My Life Transformation from Victim to Victor. And you can go and check that out. Uh, Bill, where can people find this uh, find this book? On, on your website? Where else? Yeah, they could go over to BillJBean.com and get a copy there. There's also a button there if you want to order directly from Amazon. So the book is listed on Amazon. And if you want a signed copy, then you can order uh, directly from me at BillJBean.com. Okay, wonderful. We're going to mute Bill, and we're going to bring him back over on the other side of the intermission. For everybody else, I invite you all to come on over to QuiteFrankly.tv or Pilled.net. It's all powered by Pilled and Foxhole over there. And uh, if you're on YouTube and Rumble and Rockfin, I put the links out there. I tweeted them out, Gab, Truth, all that stuff. If all else fails, like I said, go to quitefrankly.tv, no paywall, and it's all going to be not only archived later on tonight, but we're going to set this up for another YouTube late night premiere over the weekend. That'll be fun. I like those premieres because then I can actually sit in the chat room and be part of the audience for once. But, you know, there ain't nothing like live. And I want to get into your super chats to see if you have any really interesting questions that I didn't come up with for Reverend Bill Bean in the second half. Please send them over, quite frankly, superchat.com. We'll see you in just a bit. I'll see you on the other side. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. 
or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. Quite frankly. Back over here with uh, Reverend Bill Bean. It is the second half. It is the second half, and boy, oh boy, do we have uh, we we've already done a lot, and there's so much more to do. Uh, Bill, you there? I am here, my brother. Are you feeling good? Uh, absolutely. I can't believe we covered a lot of ground, and the time went by like a blink. You know, that's the good thing about just these practicing these conversations. You get a lot of practice. You can fit a lot in in a little bit of time and not lose too much. So that's uh, and we've and you know we've had a good rapport ever since the the first time we spoke. So it's great to have you back again. Um, I want to check in on what people are asking too. That should be pretty interesting. Um, but in the meantime, let's get to something really pressing, and that is your thoughts on UFOs, the UFO phenomenon. It was obviously important enough for you to bring this into. The mix in the book to actually publish your thoughts. So um, I have a member of the audience. I'll, I'll throw it to you this way. The first question. I have a member of this audience who wrote to me years ago about his abduction experiences and uh, still uh, stays in touch from time to time. And he told me that um, while in the throes of the most terrifying abduction experiences, he, he clung to the name 
Jesus Christ, and it did nothing for him, which scared him even more. And that he was convinced that we are talking about that there at least needs to, there at least must be some class of non-human entities that are not necessarily um, classified as anything that would be you know spiritually compelled or cast out like demons or or anything like that because he got no response out of this in invoking Christ's name. So it, it is do you feel like th- there could be? obviously you need to know his situation to, to uh, ascertain what might have happened there, but is there any, any um, class of, of entity that would be resistant to this on a, in a spirit, if they were purely spiritual, I can't imagine. Yeah. uh, I would have to say no, because again, if Yahweh is the creator of the universe, then that means everything is subject to him, including the devil. Everything is subject because he's a creator. How can the creator overpower the creator? It can't. It's, it's impossible. So if he is the creator of everything, including the devil and these otherworldly beings, then they would all be subject to him. Now, uh, you hear me say something unique to what other holy men may say, uh, you would hear them, and I'm not knocking them, um, you would hear them say, you know, in the name of Jesus, or in the name of Jesus Christ, or Jesus of Nazareth, you hear me say, by the mighty power of Yahweh, and his mighty and holy name, Yahshua, Jesus, the Christ name, I invoke the power of the creator of the universe first. Now, that's no knock against anybody that's just saying in the name of Jesus or whatever, but I make sure to invoke, and and in Hebrew, that wouldn't be welcome because the Jews, you know, they had come up with this idea that the Creator's name is too holy to say, therefore they don't utter the name of Yahweh because it is too holy to say. I disagree with that because the scripture said those says those who call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And anywhere you see Lord in caps, that should say Yahweh. Those who call on the name of Yahweh shall be saved. He is the creator of the universe. And his son is Yahshua, Jesus, the Christ, the Melchizedek, the high priest, the Christos, the chosen one. And he has another son, in my opinion, that was once the choir director in heaven. He held such a high position And he was so blessed and favored that he had jewels on him and he had pipes that were built inside of him because he was a musical being that was in charge of the praise and worship music until he was reassigned as the adversary to mankind. And that is Hasatan, Satan, Lucifer, Belial, the devil, whatever you want to call him. I did not know that was his previous occupation. Yep, that was his that was his uh, first gig. And when he started his rebellion, he was cast out of that position and out of heaven with a third of the angels, the Benai Elohim, the sons of God, that were cast down. And what were they cast down in? Flying craft. UFOs, Frank. Psalm 68, 17 says the chariots of God are 20,000. And so why would Yahweh have these flying chariots? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but he does. And they are called Merkabah. And so when the um, 
devil and a third of the angels were cast out. I believe they were cast out those flying craft. They came down here to earth. They took human women, had unnatural sexual relations with them, producing a hybrid offspring of giants called the Nephilim. And the Nephilim were man-eaters. They were wicked. You couldn't sustain them. And that's sustain them. And that's why Yahweh caused the great flood. And I believe that some of those Nephilim escaped in flying craft when the flood came. And they went to places like Mars and Saturn and Jupiter and places like that. And then came back after the floodwaters receded and started all over again, but on a lesser scale to sort of be under the radar to where there wouldn't be an irritation to God. And it has continued on from there. And furthermore, and I talked about this on your show the last time I was in the studio with you, I firmly believe that the, uh, the Nephilim are what these demons are. They're disembodied spirits and they're seeking host bodies, but also they went in to the forest and uh, the uh, woods and the fields and had unnatural sex acts with apes, bears, dogs, wolves, monkeys, you name it. And those are the Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Sabe creatures. They are the offspring of the offspring. They're everybody, every bit as much supernatural as they are a flesh and blood creature. It is all linked together, all of it. You are not the first person who has said on this show that these are uh, physical vehicles that the war in heaven was a kinetic war. Um, you know, me growing up thinking about the, the, the fallen angels uh, that, 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 were, that were cast down, there was a rebellion in heaven. I keep thinking about, okay, well, they're in heaven. There's no need for flying around. I, I think well, what, what use would a celestial being need a, a plane for? or a fighter jet, or a hovercraft, or anything like that, I see them as, okay, well, they're either, they have the power of flight, or they're spirits, so they, they, they don't have actual physical bodies, perhaps, or if they did have physical bodies, then they probably would transport around, like like Nightcrawler from the X-Men, or something like that, so now, now you're, you're not the first person to say, no, no, these are physical craft, and then it starts yeah. making me wonder, you know, um, so as far as crash retrieval goes, were any crafts that were, you know, people say that this did not have earthly origin. Did we ever recover craft that was created in heaven? That I don't know, but I do believe that they certainly have craft in their possession that, uh, and again, even the, the demonic um, craft, which I think they're called the mana, they, they're of heavenly origin because obviously uh, Yahweh had, uh, the heavenly host or someone designing those craft for some reason. So I guess they would be of uh, heavenly origin when we really think about it. And furthermore, I think this has been going on for a long time. Now, I couldn't go into a court of law and prove any of this, but I strongly believe what I'm saying to be true. And this has come through prayer and a lot of research. Uh, I do believe that um, our government in the shadows, in the alphabet agencies, and other governments around the world have partnered with these demonic entities. And so I believe that the devil himself has been given this short time to have control. And he is giving orders to some of these reptilian entities 
that are giving direct orders to our power elite on the earth here, especially in America. And this is why everything is upside down and backwards. And so they're carrying out these missions. And I think that deals were made for technology because Frank, all you have to do is study, study about the last hundred years and you'll say, how is it possible that we have evolved from the horse and buggy and to the simplest of things to now, you know, anything and everything is possible. Uh, how, how could this have taken place in such a short amount of time? Well, I believe it's taken place because there have been agreements and treaties signed that um, these entities would give technology in exchange for the uh, right to abduct certain citizens and target certain citizens and study certain citizens unabated by our government. Well, uh, is, is this is this what um, is this what Tucker Carlson has been uh, uh, referring to? Have you seen any of these these UFO comments he's been making? He's been making comments that look like they would fit in line with what you're talking about here. Um, I don't know if you've seen those. I haven't seen it, but I can believe it. If he's saying that, then yeah, I mean, I would be in agreement with him. And uh, it's all coming out now, Frank. We've got, you know, this story that just recently happened in Miami. Now, there's something to that. Now, people can dismiss that all day long, but this story has grown legs. This story is a worldwide story now. It has gone viral. There's something to this. Now, I don't know exactly what happened there. I wasn't there, but I can tell you one thing. As someone that was involved in a riot, uh, I before I was a spiritual warrior, I was a physical warrior. I, I ran uh, nightclub securities for many years in the Baltimore area, and I was once involved in a riot where there were 30 people fighting, and I think it was like 14 police cars responded to that, uh, a bunch of ambulances as well. But this Miami thing- I know. Was supposedly a few kids, uh, you know, fighting and throwing fireworks and sticks. It looked to me, by what I saw in the footage, it looked like it was 80 or 100 police cars. It, now, it, something it, yeah. took place there that was far more serious than than what they're saying. I have not, I have not really touched the the subject since the week that it came up, and mostly because we know that after a couple of days of theories, after a couple of days of follow-up reporting, you knew that, you know, the lead was going to get buried and we're going to move on to something else. But like you said, uh, there there will always be some point of curiosity about what was really going on just because of the police response alone. That was yeah. obscene as yeah. far as an overreaction goes, especially if you're just talking about a couple of kids swinging sticks at each other. It, it, it yeah. made no sense. But, you know, when you talk about trade-offs, I often wonder what the hell kind of collateral do we have to offer up uh, a, I don't know, a, a demonic entity? You, you say, well, well, you, you take certain class of citizens. They need, you know, bodies for this and that. Maybe they're a hybridized. But you're talking, you're thinking this right here sounds like a little something that we would be so... Um, I don't know, uh, lacking in something that we can offer up as as collateral. Because if they wanted people, just take them. I mean, what what are we what are we earthly creatures going to do to stop anything that was created in heaven? And that's the other thing that brings me that brings uh, that comes up for me when I think about this stuff is that 
can human beings even reverse engineer craft that were not made on earth if they were they're made from heavenly material uh, are uh, unless you're saying that heaven has physical locality now and we're getting into that because i often i grew up thinking of heaven as some kind of a uh, a, a wispy place amongst the clouds where we're talking about spiritual metaphysical st- uh, concepts, nothing that was actually set in stone. And uh, there's just so much here that contradicts w- the way I, I was brought up look, thinking about mm-hmm. reality that I, I don't even know where to start asking questions. Well, I, I believe that heaven's a physical, physical place, absolutely. And I also believe that it is easier. Yes, these entities could impose their will and just do whatever they wanted to do without any type of recourse but then it would be exposed so they operate in the shadows so you'll find that in all demonic infiltrations uh they operate in the shadows and demons hide in the dark places because they like the low frequency low vibration they like the dark they embrace the dark they want to stay in the shadows they are shadows and uh so it would shed light on the agenda. So suddenly the world would wake up to, you know, what the purpose and agenda uh, would be of these entities that they're trying to carry out uh, against the populace. So therefore they have to operate in the shadows, clandestine. And furthermore, there are wicked sellouts, so-called human beings that have really, to me, are no longer human because they have sold out and they are working for the dark side and they are in partnership with these demonic forces and they are by and large super wealthy super powerful and have all the creature comforts of life but what they don't have and they forfeited is their place with God and in his heavenly kingdom. So they better enjoy every second that they have on this earth because when their time is up, wouldn't want to be them. See, that's what I, 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 there's, there's the folly. Uh, We, we talk about all the time. um, uh, It's a concept from a, a book that we, or an author that we have discussed on the show over the years, the concept of the warrior's folly, getting up every day, picking up your your tools, going out to work, knowing that, you know, there's a lot of things going against you. And of course, even after so many years of perhaps produ- productivity, there's always death waiting for you in the end. Why do we wake up every morning and go out there and fight the good fight when it's impossible for us to, you know, so-called win? There is no, there's no bigger though, uh, Bill, there's no bigger warrior's folly than the thought of those entities that have rebelled against God up in heaven and have come down here to do their work, knowing that they can never, ever hold a, a candle to the power of God. Why, why are they compelled to, to stay in rebellion, knowing that there is, there's never going to be a way of, of winning? And um, that's our first question. Because they have such a, a level of hatred for mankind, because the devil has that level of hatred for mankind. He lost his spot. He lost his anointed spot as the musical director in heaven, a son of the Most High Elohim, Yahweh Elohim. He is the Most High Elohim, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, because there's gods under him, the Elohim. Yahweh is the Most High Elohim. 
And so the devil, a son of Yahweh Elohim, uh, had such a high place in heaven and was privy to a lot of Yahweh's ways and secrets. And he took that with him down here. And that's helped him in this rebellion. But he lost his spot, you know, as the choir director, the 24-7 praise and worship music to our creator. And so he lost his spot, reassigned as the adversary to mankind, and he hates us that much, and his demons hate us that much. Their mission is to kill, rob, and destroy. So they're very driven by that and that alone to carry out destruction against mankind. And why does God bind him, bind himself, or hold himself back? You were talking about these 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 uh, demonic entities that will make deals with earthly governments, which I mm-hmm. I seriously do not see the point in. They can just take who they want, what they want, why they would give us technology in in exchange for that. I don't understand. Even when we talk about alien, like if we, let's say we we I bring on a guest that that wants to talk about the theory, their theories and their evidence for. Um, intergalactic treaties and and deals that have been made between earthly governments and aliens, uh, mm-hmm. that representatives of civilizations that are potentially millions of years more advanced than us. What the hell kind of collateral do we have? To, if they want to take our cows and some of our people, they'll just take them. I mean, there's nothing we can do to stop them, and, we, and there's also nothing we can do to really prevent people from finding out about their presence if they really want to be known. So, But it would be very messy, though, Frank, because then the plan would be discovered. And the people, even though most people on this planet are asleep, they would suddenly be awakened to this reality, and it would cause widespread panic. It would cause, it would cause war because some men, you know, like us, we would stand up and fight even if it cost us our lives. We would stand up and fight, but others would die from heart attacks. Others would commit suicide. Um, It would be hell on earth. It would be the biggest mass panic in history. And that's why they don't reveal themselves in that way. So there has to be perhaps the uh, collateral or the, the little reward for the little human minion that is in cooperation is that, uh, hey, you know, we're going to give you what you want. Let's just keep the lid on all of this, keep the people asleep, and we'll do what we do. So then let me get back to that other question I had thrown out there, too. Um, With all of this, with these demonic entities running roughshod over the earth and cutting their deals and, of course, and, you know, uh, infesting so many uh, churches and and institutions and and everything, for, for them to have such a field day right now, my question is, why does God bind himself? Why is there so, there's, um, the presence of evil has been the biggest red pill for me in coming back to faith, because there needs to be an opposite counter, if not greater force to what is so evident around us. And that's how I, I started really having my, my awakening and my reversion. But as far as why is I always ask the question, hey, I, I know about the deep state. We know about the presence of the deep state. Every time that there is a spying scandal that makes headlines in the U.S. government, we learn of these little tiny FBI minions, names we never knew before that now have faces. And say, oh, there must have been tens of thousands of these people. You better there, believe it. There's always, right. there's always a way to get an accounting of some, some, some level of accounting of the evil that is out there, but it's always so hard to get an accounting of the good. And why is it 
that God binds himself? What what does he wait well, for? He, he's not binding himself, but what he's doing is he's operating on his promise to give man free will. So this is all by free will. So guess what? He's not going to lift a finger to fix anything because man, by our own free will, are making the mistakes in a rebellion against him. So think about this for a second. If you created everything and you said, okay, I'm going to give my creation free will, but if my creation started thumbing their nose at you, I think you'd be a little upset. I know I would. And, and so therefore, he does nothing in the way of rectifying anything until, until, which I believe is coming soon, a great and terrible day comes. And you could call it end times, you could call it whatever you want to call it. It will be a swift ending and then a new beginning. But I do believe that day is coming, Frank, and it's coming sooner than later. Okay, so then I have a couple of questions from the, uh, well, let's see here, a couple of super chats from the audience. Lark Star said, happy birthday to Nikki, our favorite mod. Much love your way. Thank you, Lark, and happy birthday, Nikki. 925YLG says, uh, for you, Bill, uh, is Satan Lucifer? And if not, what's the difference? I hear, yeah, this is a great question, because yeah. I have heard so many people say, no, they're not the same thing. They're different entities. Uh, you know, one's a subsidiary of the other. W what is the categorization here? There's so many different names for the devil, just like there's different names for God as well. So I say Yahweh, and you can research that, and the scholars are all in agreement on it, that Yahweh is his name. But if you went to Hebrew people or Jews or different people, they say, no, 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 no. It's El Shaddai, Adonai, you know, and on and on and on. Um, same thing if you went Jehovah Witness or whatever, his name's Jehovah or whatever. It, it's there are different names, and I believe that for the devil as well. So I like you, Frank, I've seen that to where they said, oh, they're different beings and all this. I don't think so. I think there's one chief of the demons. And again, is his name Hasatan, Satan, Lucifer, Belial? There are many names for him. Um, I think it's all pointing to the one chief of the demons. Mm. Uh, the Sentinel asks, can you please ask Reverend Bean, has he ever encountered someone who was delivered from possession and then became repossessed? Not repossessed, but I will say this. I have gone back uh, in some of those possession cases. I have gone back to the uh, victim several times afterwards because there were attempts to put that person back under possession. And that's where, like I said to you in the start of the show, I have to sit down after this is all over with, you know, after this evil is evicted from the person. And I have to sit down as a guidance counselor, a life coach. Uh, to say, you know, we've got to put a game plan together for your life now to make sure that we keep all these doors closed, because if we don't, then seven more wicked than the original can come back. And there can be attempts uh, to repossess that person, and they'll be seven times worse off than they were. So, you know, I've been back to people like that um, multiple times, uh, and, and it's all a part of, like I said also earlier in the show, getting the person out of that fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living, because a lot of times people go, yeah, but what if it comes back? So they've got one foot over 
in faith, but they're keeping the other foot back in fear because they're saying, yeah, but what if it comes back? So now you're not in faith. You're not totally in faith. You still have a foot in fear. Yeah. And that gives a legal right to the devil to come back and bring demons back in. Uh, I have one here from Joyful June says, why does Mr. Bean think that the devil is a son of God? Isn't Lucifer supposed to be an angel? That's what they say. But look, uh, there's only one creator. His name's Yahweh. So therefore, everything is created by him, okay? And that includes the devil. Do you think the devil has the power of God? Absolutely not. He's a little flea compared to the power of God. We could, we're, we're minuscule, little microscopic things compared to the power of God. Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord, great to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. We can never attain that. And the devil wanted to attain that, but he's like a little flea, and he is a created being created by our creator. I have one last question for you, Bill, before we we, uh, sure. we tell everybody, remind everybody where they can get the book and where they can listen to you on Friday nights. Um, and I think that uh, over the course of this conversation, we might be able to ha uh, piece together what your answer would be, but I'm just going to give it to you anyway. Um, you know, uh, especially this past week with the summit at Davos going on, we are um, we're perpetually reminded that we live in a time where the enemies of a free humanity have never felt more safe and confident in expressing their visions for a global biosurveillance state in which nations and churches alike are nothing but administrative states for their their vision, you know, their network. True. It's a it's a godless existence and it's and it's 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 horrifying as well. Uh, my question to you is how can the concepts of your book and your life's work now be applied to not only individual cases, haunted houses, generational curses, anything like that, but how can it be applied to what we are facing as a planet? Because obviously there's no legislating our way out of this. There's a major confrontation and a lot of people are not, um, they're not happy with the concept of just waiting until God steps in there. There needs to be action from humans. There needs to be, there needs to be something, but what, what is that? The best thing that we can do, the most important thing, the wisest thing would be to develop a real and authentic relationship with God, trust him, make him first, hearken onto his voice and you will be blessed and he will keep a covering over you. Your life won't become perfect, but I guarantee you one thing, He'll help you to meet the challenges and overcome them. That's the difference between the person that has a real relationship with God and the person that doesn't. You could go to church 24-7, but if you don't have a real and authentic relationship with God, you've got nothing. So you got to get real. You got to get real with God. You got to get real with yourself. I don't care what any of these people do because I know they're all wicked and I know they have the worst of intentions for mankind. Their intent is to... Uh, we're already enslaved, all of us. We're already enslaved by this beast system that we're under. But they want to make it to where um, they have these little 15-minute cities and put people in these little boxes to live in, and uh, you'll have nothing and love it. You'll eat bugs, and you'll love it. Um, this is the agenda. And the, the devil is working through these people to carry out these agendas. So what's going to happen is one of two things. Either that great and terrible day is going to come soon, like I just talked about, or God is going to raise 
people up to say enough and there's going to be a revolution in this country and probably on this planet like never before because when the people finally awaken oh boy frank mm. when the if millions of people joined together and said you know what we're not taking this anymore we're going to rise up against this that would be like nothing that's ever been seen on this planet before that the people would come together for one common cause and that would be to rid the world of all the evil scumbags that are working for the devil and perpetrating all of this against the good people of planet earth now that is a movie i would love to be cast in that sounds yeah. like a that that it's, it does sound glorious and i i I, I I revel in the uh, the imagery. I really do. You know what? One more just came in real quick, and I think it goes in a, a little bit more into that individual cases category. Carlos Carrera says, um, uh, "Reverend Bean, for those who cannot afford hiring an exorcist, what can we do to aid in deterring demonic entities? So, I guess as a preventative, or deterring, or making them go away. Either way." What, what can people be doing um, if they don't have someone like you in their lives? Well, Carlos, I would urge you to reach out to me. Send me a message. I want to know what's going on in your life, and I'll do anything and everything that I can by the power of God working through me to help you. And B, go to my website, BillJBean.com, click on prayers to God, and start saying those prayers daily. Make them a part of your life, because um, I'll give you a quick outline of how I go about things. And Frank, no way do I claim to be perfect. I am far from perfect, but I'm real and authentic. And I try to be a good man. And I try to do and be the best that I can be every day of my life. Um, so what I do, first thing that I do when I open my eyes every day is I thank God and praise God for the day. Life is a gift. We are not promised tomorrow. We should thank him and praise him for every day. Then I get on my knees. I pray. I ask him to bless my day, my wife's day, you know, everybody and bless my food. Thank you for the food I'm about to. I don't eat or take one thing into my body unless I pray over it because we're being poisoned in that way as well. So I pray over every single thing. I don't care if it's a stick of gum. I pray over it. I thank God and praise God for it. I ask him to bless it to my body. Um, then I have a, obviously a continuous dialogue with God throughout the day because I'm dealing with multiple clients every day. And then uh, I don't care what time it is. I don't care how tired I am. If it's 6.30 a.m., if it's 7 a.m., sometimes even 7.30 a.m., I say a spiritual warfare prayer before I go to bed, and I declare victory in the day. I declare victory in each and every day of my life, and will do so for the I'm consistent in it, Frank. I'm, I don't care how I feel. It doesn't matter. I am absolutely 100% consistent in my relationship with God. So as I said to you earlier, I once had a life that was so horrible that it was seeking death. And now I have a life that is so blessed that it wouldn't trade my life for anybody's life on this planet. Well, I really appreciate the guy. And like you said, those guidelines and those tips are all throughout your website. Um, your, your story is told in great detail and it's, uh, it's, it was really a, uh, it was really a fun read, even though it's, it's it's heavy situation but it's fun because i know you now Thank and you, i got to learn so much more and i hope people go check it out that's billjbean.com i'm going to be sharing that url uh throughout all this uh wherever we post this and all the podcast platforms 
Uh, Bill, I can't thank you enough for all the time you gave us tonight, and I and I uh, wish you guys have a a wonderful weekend over there in uh, in in Maryland, and 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 hopefully we we cross paths sometime soon. I know you're going to be in New York soon, but you might have a uh, too busy of a schedule to to see me. But we got to do that again soon. I I may pop in if I have the time, and I, I'll get uh, your cousin, and we'll pop in and see you. And uh, thank you, Frank. It's always a pleasure, and it was great once again. And I look forward to the next time. And thank everybody out there for tuning in. And God bless you and your family. And God bless all of you out there uh, that are tuning in. And uh, can't wait for the next time. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. You too, my brother. God bless. There goes Bill Bean. He's got a lot going on, that guy. He certainly does. Boy, well, a little bit more of a deep dive into his life. What did you think about it? I'm sure that this is going to be uh, interesting, varied, varied opinions. Um, I'd love to hear them all if you got them. So let's take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to have you guys uh, able to call in, hopefully, because I have a couple of things I just want to show you. But it's 836, and uh, and for a break right now, we're going to go to a, a news brief with uh, the nation's young, uh, I would say the freshest, journalist out there john ward that's right everybody john ward be right back hello world champions i'm john ward and this is breaking news with john ward breaking news breaking news the 2024 election is underway with the iowa caucuses the quadrennial opening contest of the united states presidential election primary season this is normally for both the democrat and republican parties but this year the former have decided that instead quote voting on candidates will be done exclusively via mail-in ballots from january 12th until super tuesday march 5th 2024 Breaking news with John Ward, breaking news can only speculate in a non-actionable way as to why the Democrats have opted for this unorthodox approach, and that non-actionable speculation is this. They're cheating. Of course, the lack of news on the left in no way lessens the singular drama around the Republican projections. The big question on everyone's 5G robo-minds is the ominous, ecliptical twin umbra of President Donald Trump's cash and prizes hovering over the convention like the balls of Damocles. What would Iowa reveal about American sentiment towards Trump? And to the shock of Bill Kristol and literally no one else at all, the binary star system that is the Trumpian metascrotum slammed through the voting block like a populist love hammer against the anvil of absolution, taking a girthy 51% of the vote and winning all but Johnson County, which is 70% Democrat and hosts the University of Iowa. Now, I'm not saying Trump lost Johnson County barely because some liberal college students pranked the Republican vote, but I am strongly implying it while not directly saying so. But as you know, ladies and gentlemen, and yes, I just assumed your genders, despite his resounding success, again, the rhinoceri continue to send the clear message that Donald Trump is not welcome, despite the will of their constituency, because that would mean winning. But per the results of the caucus, their options are running thin, as the obvious hopefuls have long since crashed and burned. Ron DeSantis is still around, apparently, watching drying paint get bored, watching Ron DeSantis. Nikki Haley was going strong until Nimrata Ranthawa showed up, who is Nikki Haley, which is weird. 
and Vivek Ramaswamy, by far the most entertaining of the bunch, seemed more interested in a nod as Trump's VP until Trump himself put a stop to the ankle biting. Ramaswamy has now officially suspended his campaign. Trump dominates the field. For the sake of completely baseless guessing, which is what the news is for, on the left, there was a brief glimmer of manhood with Robert Kennedy Jr., which then quickly soured with a very different glimmer of manhood, the revelation of his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Gavin Newsom is an obvious heir apparent, but like DeSantis, he's pulled the trigger too early and needs another four years to really lock down that relationship with his financiers. China. This leaves the laughably incompetent sitting VP Kamala Harris, who even Democrats don't seem to consider a serious candidate. So in summary, as it currently stands, we are headed for an election where no one who the American people actually want to run will be allowed to run, and if they somehow are allowed to run, then the vote will not be trusted, and if by some miracle said vote is nevertheless peaceably upheld, then a far more sinister resentment will set in and not begin, but simply add to and amplify the rot that is and has been eating away at the foundations of American culture for decades, Western culture for centuries. What I'm saying is, it's going to be a good time. That's it for today. I'm John Ward, and this has been Breaking News with John Ward Breaking News. Until next time, remember, you're a world champion. Don't let your memes be dreams. It's good to have John back. It really is. It is, it is, it is. Okay, let's get on over to a little something for you. Uh, your Super Chats. Stostube says, Thursday night, and I ask myself, self, what would Jay Brits do during a great Thursday listen? Sh- short answer, support the Quite Frankly via Super Chat, of course. Ha! Jay Britt says, hey, Frank, still spooling after your interview with Reverend Bill Bean. Great show. Thank you. Well, there, see, together. Carlos Carreras, who asked the question of uh, Bill Bean, got through before. Thank you so much, Carlos. I hope you get in in touch with Reverend Bean. Uh, Troy Rhodes, I did not see this, says, Frank, it's me again. Can you ask Bill what he thinks Elijah caught a ride on? I think, even though I did not see this in time, Troy, I'm so sorry. But I think you know his answer now. It is definitely a heaven-made flying Cadillac. It is. We are talking about a sunbeam, sunburst color Cadillac made in heaven flying around. That, that's what I would say. Sunburst. Um, let's see here. Over on Pilled. Thank you, Sean Joe. Thank you, Jay Jewel. Thank you, Jay Jewel. Axapax, uh, Enigmatoid, bunch of cookies from Enigmatoid, Chai Possum, Anam- Amethyst Cat said, I got Sheeple Beware a bag of your coffee for Christmas. He loved it, so he got a subscription for his birthday. Wow. Fantastic. I wonder how many people have gotten a coffee subscription. I certainly need one. I almost, I have to go to the, the, uh, the P.O. Box tomorrow to see if my new shipment of coffee came in. I realized I only had one bag left, so I ordered another three or four from Paige, and um, 
I gotta, I gotta be on top of this stuff. I can't be without this. I got maybe like one carafe left that I can brew. And this is ice cold now. The Sentinel says, please. Oh, we got that before. Thank you, Sentinel. Uh, Porpoiseful, thank you. Joyful June, we got you through. And Jesse, 81138. You guys and gals are fantastic. I am going to uh, release the scratching a little bit early because what we're going to do here is going to take us right to the end and uh, that will be a, a nice tight show for the evening. So the scratching has been released. I hope you guys enjoy yourself. Get scratched up and down. Okay, so here we have it. This is what I wanted to bring up. Now, um, just a little bit about entertainment this is something that happened uh, last week. This this week, after the Texas, the Texas, uh, the Houston Texans game, NBC edited out the Houston Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud's praise of Jesus Christ in their post game interview. Uh, it, it, yeah, so this this is, you're going to see a side by side of the edit job that they did. I just want to throw it out there because whether you are a person of you know, the faith within Christianity or not, it is notable. It should be notable. The first thing that I started doing when I wasn't really paying, still not really interested in diving into faith or praying again, or, you know, I just didn't have time for it. And I was never, never atheist, certainly on the agnostic front. But the first thing that started happening to me was noticing the bias and sticking up for people like Christians a little bit more in my broadcasts or in personal life where I was just like, okay, I get it. Can we stop the pile on that? Why the pile on? What the hell is going on? Why is this so, so very dangerous to you? Especially since the civilization that we have over here in the West was built on it. Take a listen to how blatant this is. It's just, it's really something else. So that that is unedited. First and foremost, I want to give all the glory and praise to my Lord Jesus Christ. This is this is coming from a a uh, a quarterback in the NFL. Now, had he said something like, uh, I, first of all, I just want to say that trans rights are human rights, or something stupid like that, uh, it would be a different story. But now here is how NBC repackage this for consumption when they put it out on their socials. What does this moment mean? I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been. But it, it, that's it. It's been amazing. I mean, it, it's blatant. You say, Frank, well, you know, no, 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 no. The time of saying that something is inconsequential, small, does it really mean it? Yes, everything is a glimpse behind the curtain. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I, um, it, it just, it's, it's very, very telling. Now, tomorrow we're going to be doing, this is the reason why I bring this up. Tomorrow we're going to be doing a much bigger show on everything that's going on out there in, at Davos. Haven't needed to do much because Nora was going to be joining us and giving her a person, uh, giving her personal report on all things. But this clip 
I think is related to tonight well, since there is a spiritual religious edge to everything that we're doing right now. Um, here is a indigenous woman who has been brought on stage at the World Economic Forum at Davos with a panel of billionaire weirdo creeps that are watching her go through some kind of ritual, some kind of blessing, some shamanistic something or another. And and this was totally fine. And take a look, take a look, take a listen. About a minute long. Watch what she does. For those of you at uh, in podcast land, the, that uh, the coughing you heard, the coughing Indian, she she's coughing in three directions, and all. it's part of whatever she is prepping or doing or performing right now. And of course, there, like I said, there is a panel of six uh, very, very enthralled liberal weirdos corporate liberal weirdos who just probably think that this is just the most quaint thing they've ever heard seen in their life like they they're, they're going to the petting zoo right now they think it's great the children are enjoying themselves they're it's like they're going to a dance recital or something but it, there's there's something about this this scene that really ticks me off um so she's like huffing air now and now uh, she starts bringing the panelists in there. You can hear a smattering of applause, too, coming up soon, too. Watch this. As she turns now to the panelists to bring them into the ritual. I guess it's a blessing that she's giving. You hear a smattering of applause in there? Other liberal creeps that are in the audience that... that uh, that want to make sure if this is something that should be applauded and she should be praised for her bravery to go up there and perform this ritual for them that she, they didn't want to make they, they just want to make sure that they're willing to applaud and of course it went away because then they realized oh nobody else is applauding this is still very very sacred thing that's going on don't applaud okay okay well i i just want to be courteous there are a bunch of weirdos in that room Now, what's that sound for everybody in, in podcast land? She's going to every panelist and coughing onto their foreheads. You, you loser. Yes, that's what we've got right now. So now, what is this all about? To me, it's about exalting the strange ambrosia that is going to constitute the one world religion that they that they see as a necessary complement to global governance as as much as i want to see as i want to turn people uh, as much as they i should say as much as they want to turn people into machines they know that as long as we still have beating hearts no matter what kind of chips we have in us no matter what kind of surveillance systems we're under, no matter what kind of uh, bullshit that we're fed in schools from the time that we're in diapers, they know that if we have beating hearts, 
There is going to be a spiritual side to us that needs to be filled with something. Something. NBC's editing out uh, uh, quarterback Stroud's comments post-game interview gives you a little bit of a hint as to what they would prefer we not fill the spiritual void with, what they would prefer we leave behind as we go into their new steamrolled, weird, jalopy future that they're trying to build for us. They want us to abandon Christianity, monotheism as a whole, any of the traditions that built the West. They want those gone, and they want us to embrace a mix of jungle spiritualism. That's just what it seems like to me. They love the performance aspect of it, um, especially because the people performing it are not white, so they get to sit there. You saw the one meek little little retard uh, panelist sitting there with his hands tucked between his knees like, I'm ready. I'm ready for my blessing, cutie. You know, sitting there with his hands clasped together, um, looking like a doting parent. I mean, that, that is just, while they have this woman here, this is the embodiment, ladies and gentlemen. This woman is the embodiment of all of their all of their tropes about the, the the noble savage, okay, about the West, the South America, Central, North America. This is their trope about the noble savage, about what was taken away by those those damned European whites with all of their technology and all of their uh, their civilization. Uh, this is their trope of what was conquered and wiped away, which of course is the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, there's so many, it, it's the most simplified way of uh, pre presenting history. But still, three years ago, also think about this. Also think about this, as she blesses them all by coughing in their faces. Three years ago, we were getting, we were becoming outcast for rejecting masks. Many of the people at Davos, at the World Economic Forum, were, were part, were funding the think tanks that were shutting down the world and twisting our arms into into uh, coercive medical experiments and everything else. Passports, having all of our civil rights limited based on what our uh, our level of compliance was to all of their their newest ideas of how we can manage mankind a little bit better. That's it. And now there they have an Indian coughing in their face as a form of communion, I guess. It's a blessing. It's a sacrament. They are all very, very happy to be a part of it. So I saw somebody that was trying to, like, you know, poo-poo the whole, uh, you know, not, not so much concern, but just like, what the hell is this shit? And they're like, oh, what's so shocking that, uh, that other cultures exist? Oh. And, you know, no, clown. But if you think that billionaire transhumanists brought in an Indian to perform primitive jungle rituals for everybody in the audience just because they wanted to remind people that different cultures exist, then I've got a bridge to sell you. I've got a big one to, to sell you, okay? I mean, when will you so-called liberals be done treating humans like props in a play and exhibits at a zoo? That's what I want to know. When will you be done with it? When will you be tired of it? Because you don't even benefit from supporting this pageantry, and that's what it is. It's pageantry, and it's performance. The real objective here 
is for people, the panelists, to immerse themselves reverently into every obscure religion they can find in order to push this idea of universality, of plurality, because religions, like nations, require strict devotion to survive. And whereas those devotions to God and to country create a truly diverse world, a world we used to have not too long ago, especially before the world wars, the creatures from Davos, they want that devotion paid to them. That's what they want. So the coughing Indian is their way of encouraging you to merge with the Borg, that is the shadow state, and its new emerging church. That's it. That's it. They want all, all the hippies out there. who think, Oh, it's so cool. It's so hip. They, they want them to start wearing headdresses and face paint, too. That's what this is all about. At least to me, it is. And, um, and whereas that is the kind of weird, culty way that they are ushering in new things and trying to strip away the, the foundations that we used to have in, in, our, uh, in our world, foundations that would go unquestioned for thousands of years, especially what is a woman? What is a man? How do they fit together? And uh, <laughs> everything in between. And there's plenty in between now. I want to give you a little bit, since we're always talking about how we win, this is how we're ending tonight. You probably have seen it floating around. Sean Strickland. Uh, he's an MMA fighter. He's got a uh, he's got a fight coming up soon. He was doing a press junket and he encountered he encountered a obnoxious liberal NPC ally type person in the audience uh, with a microphone who thought that this was going to go well for him. Now uh, Sean is a he's sitting there with a T-shirt on that says every woman a, a woman in every kitchen a woman in every kitchen a gun in every hand. Okay. Being provocative, just putting it on out there, doesn't give an F about anything. And I love it because we also often ask ourselves different questions about how we win. The many different ways that the fight for our lives right now is presenting opportunities for action, both spiritually, physically, in a voting sense, what's real, what isn't, where do we put all of our priorities and how, what does victory actually look like? Well, this I'm about to show you right now is probably about 90 to 95% of winning in a earthly sense outside of whenever God decides it is time to really shake up the snow globe again. And why do I say that what you're about to watch is 95% of it? Because the perps, the actual perps, the people who are running the show and trying to drive all this into the earth so that they can have the rights to rebuild it in any godforsaken way that they want. They are few. They are very, very few. You know, Bill Bean was talking about tonight about the power of millions waking up and finally having enough. The perps are few. And the reason why they're still able to do what they do is because they've been insulated. They have insulated themselves with many, many fragile, doting ninnies who have been brainwashed at a young age, who crumble in the face of sternness, crumble in the face of sternness. Here's Sean Strickland, two minutes, two minutes that I wish went on for two hours, talking to some freak in the audience who thought that they can <laughs> pin him to a wall over identity politics. 
Take a listen to this. Uh, we've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian yeah. community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said, if I had a gay son, I would think I've... Oh, look, another... another I'm saying to you, For those of you who were not able to hear it, the reporter was asking him uh, about comments about what he... how Comments he made in the past about how disappointed he would be if he had a gay son. I would think I've oh, look, another, another, I'm saying to you, the swamp, you guys, the swamp. You become a champion, you become a star, and, and someone's. Let me ask model. you something. Are you, have, are you, are chance. you gay? No, are you, are you, let me know, are you gay? Can I, hear, can I get an answer? Well, no, I'm asking, I'm, this is a part of the, are you, are you a gay man? I'm an ally of the community. I'm an okay. ally. <laughs> if you had a son and he was like, you know, you had a son, he was gay, you'd be like, oh man, you don't, you don't want a grandkid? No problem with it. Oh man, well, you, dude, you're a weak fucking man, dude. You're like, you're part of the fucking problem. You elected Justin Trudeau. Like, would you fucking, when he sees the bank accounts, like, you're just fucking pathetic. And, and the fact that, the fact that you have no fucking backbone and, and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts, you ask me some stupid shit like that, go fuck yourself. Move the fuck on, man. Like that doesn't really coward. answer the question, but I did want to ask also things you said about the trans community. You said uh, this past October when they announced the Bud Light sponsorship that you'd go... He's a steamrolling nitwit, in the, in the, and he's going on. He said, well, you didn't really answer my question, but now he's going on to things that he said about the trans community. Everybody's in the community. I'm an ally of the community. Everybody's in a community. Did you know that you're in a community at home? You're in a, I'm in the, the, the semi bald, I'm in the balding community. I'm not quite bald yet, but I'm getting there. So I like, like what community are you? It's so ridiculous. And I'm an, I'm an ally of the community. Yeah. What do you bring to the table anyway? So he moved on from one thing and trying to pin him to the wall now on comments he made about transgenderism and Bud Light. Here's the last half. Go so hard on Bud Light in your next fight, they'll have to accept me or denounce me when uh, when they know what and will know what they stand for. Are you this guy's like, hey, this Canadian's not that Canadian. Are you still going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that? Here's the thing about Bud Light. Here's the thing about Bud Light. Ten years ago, to be trans was a what a mental fucking illness, and now all of a sudden, people like you have fucking weaselled your way into the world. You are you are an infection. You are the definition of weakness. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of fucking you. And the best thing is, is the world's not buying it. The world's not buying your fucking bullshit you're fucking peddling. The world is not saying, you know what? You're right. Fucking chicks have dicks. The world's not saying that. The world's saying, no, there are two genders. I don't want my kids being taught about know who they could fuck in school i don't want my kids being taught about you know their sexual preference like dude this guy is the fucking enemy uh, you want to look at the fucking enemy to our world it's that motherfucker right there oh. <laughs> oh man give me two more hours of that that rings so satisfyingly true to anybody who is willing to just let the truth wash over them, and I'm sure it rattles through you and triggers every piece of you if you have been infected by guys like that in the in the media that are sitting there and doing their thing. Oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm not a big uh, MMA guy, but I think I might buy uh, this January 20th, um, this January 20th, fight. I think I might do it.
I'd like to see the post the the post fight. No doubt about it. I don't know what the hell he's going to say, but I just uh, I I tend to throw my support behind people. Now, just have balls. Don't care about anything else. We're all imperfect, but that is just amazing. Now I don't know. I'm sure that the other the the, the loser in the in the audience skipped away, feeling like he you know. He stood his ground to one of those retrograde toxic males. No, no, no. That's not what happened. You didn't stand your ground. A, a mirror, a mirror was thrown up in your face, and we all saw that you didn't have a fucking reflection. That was fantastic. So I just wanted to leave you with that. It is Thursday evening, and we are wrapping it up now. And tomorrow... We have Nor Bin Laden. We'll be talking about Davos. We'll be listening to some uh, media, and we'll be uh, we'll be taking your calls. I don't know what else, but it's the end of the week. Another great week. And then on Saturday morning, I will be meeting up with Mike at the studio. We will be installing the new computer. We will be reworking a lot of things on the desk. The desk is going to look a little bit bare when I come back because there are certain pieces that have not come in yet. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing with the aesthetics. Um, I can't have an entire garden of lava lamps it's not like wherever there a gap shows up i gotta buy a new lava lamp um you know I, I love that aesthetic i have for years i know that i've probably inspired quite a few other people to fill up their camera frame with uh with lava lamps i've seen that over uh, however many years now too but i can't just have a, a growing garden of lava lamps we'll figure it out anyway if all goes well on saturday i am hoping that on Monday, I will be at Studio A again. Though I gotta say, this has really been nice being home and to be able to do the show with a level of uh, production value that is at least on par audio and video wise from what I have at the studio. Um, I gotta just start writing in nights that I'm doing things from Studio B. And I think that'll be its own little gimmick in itself. Maybe I can get a, a, a I, that's why I said I wanna get a Studio B sponsor and a Studio A sponsor. I can't bring guests to Studio B, though. Lauren said, hey, maybe we should do a Valentine's Day show, and I'll just be, you know, if I asked her, you want to do something with Valentine's Day? We've been thinking of ideas about that. She said, sure, we should do it here at home. I said, what, you're going to sit behind me? She goes, yeah, I'll peek over your shoulder. I said, <laughs> can't do that here. Doesn't make sense. But, um, But I really have loved this, and the fact that there is actually a chance that that door is going to open up and that little cutie is going to run in and say, hello. That's been fun. Um, but thank you all so much. Thank you, Reverend Bill Bean. I'll be looking at all of your emails that will be coming in. Quite frankly, super, quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. Please become a monthly sponsor. If you are not a sponsor, you have not become a sponsor, become one on quite frankly's uh, subscribe star. You can find the link to that on the Sponsor Us page on quitefrankly.tv. Help us hit our big, big funding goal for 2024. Go to Subscribestar, become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5, and um, and there you have it. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for the time tonight. Have a nice evening. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film for a live studio audience. And now, our super chatters, starting with 
Where the hell is it now? What have I done? All of our wonderful gold pillars who have already had the scratch and thrown into their faces. And then thank you to Jay Brits, Stostube, Carlos Carreras, and Troy Rhodes. It's been a wonderful evening. I hope I hear from you in the, uh, the, the inbox, the messages, wherever the hell it is. Become a sponsor, and I'll see you tomorrow. No after-hours programming tonight, but I'll have something nice lined up for Friday. Take care.